Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mayor Statman, uh, who is Professor of Finance at the Levy School of Business at Santa Clara University in California, and also the author of a new book called What Investors Really Want. Discover what drives investor behavior and make smarter financial decisions. Welcome to the show, Mayor. Great to be with you, Jordan. Let's just start off uh, with your, a little bit of your background and uh, how you got to uh, writing this particular book. Well, I, I've been working in this area of behavioral finance for decades now, since the very early uh, 1980s. And I felt that there was something that I would like investors, regular uh, individual investors to know that is not really done in, in other books. And this is really why I wrote the book. Uh, in particular, uh, I wanted to address normal investors. We have gotten ourselves in a situation where we speak about rational investors at one end and irrational ones, really, really crazy ones. And in the middle, we lose normal investors, people like me, like you, like your listeners. And we forget to ask, what is it, what is it that they want? We just assume that we know what they want, you know, to make money. Uh, but it's obviously more than that. And, and if investors don't understand what it is that they want, they cannot reach what they want. So you begin, the whole theme of the book is what we want in various ways. And in the introduction, you kind of have an introduction about what we want. We're going to get to the individual pieces, but what is it overall that investors are looking for out of investments other than the obvious of just earning profits? Well, obviously, they're looking for more than just earning profits because, or, or really more than having a high ratio of returns to risk because if that's all they wanted, they would buy index funds and just diversify among index funds. Well, that's kind of like saying that all car buyers should buy Honda Accords because it gives them a high ratio of quality uh, to price. But obviously... Some people buy a sports car because they like the excitement, and some investors like the excitement of trading and winning, uh, and some like the prestige of, uh, of an Acura, say, uh, and some people like uh, the prestige of, of hedge funds. And so people look for, for many things. People want to make sure that they are not poor. People still want to be rich, and, and unless we kind of try to figure out and find what it is that people want, uh, we'll not be able to tell the difference between what is a want and a reasonable want and what is an error. You talk a lot of in this book about herds and bubbles. What, what is the un emotional underpinning of why people follow in herds and, and inflate uh, assets to ridiculously high prices before they collapse? Well, remember that, that herding is, uh, is been with us forever, and, and herding in many ways is good. You know, that, that is in the animal kingdom, when one gazelle sees the, sees the others kind of uh, uh, run, uh, gallop in, in one direction, uh, that gazelle would join, and probably for good reason, because one of the gazelles probably has seen a lion uh, in, in the grass. And so... Uh, many times we imitate what other people are doing uh, for good reason. Uh, for example, if we imitate uh, what people tell us they're doing based on consumer report when it comes to, say, washing machines. Uh, but, of course, in finance we always talk about those bad 
records when people are running scared uh, for for no good reason, and you just join them, or when people are just flocking to join a, a Bernie Madoff, and, and and other people just join them because somebody at the country club told them about the Bernie Madoff. What have been some herds and bubbles uh, recently that you think uh, have have formed? What markets w- would you consider to be bubbles today? <laughs> That's a good question because because it's really very important for me to tell. That, that bubbles are very easy to tell in hindsight, but not in foresight. So, so uh, it might be that gold is in a bubble, uh, but, but I don't know that it is, and, and I don't want to be in a situation where I'm going to speak with you in two years and you're going to say, bubble, all right, Tom Mayer, uh, now that it is at 4,000, aren't you sorry you didn't buy it at 1,400 uh, two years ago? So, so that really is, is very hard to tell uh, if we are in a bubble, uh, and even if we can tell that, to tell when it is going to burst. Uh, and so I, I try to really be, be a very, very cautious uh, and very humble in front of those uh, bubbles and herds, uh, and I just try to have, to have a diversified portfolio so that I don't get myself uh, um, run over. But if there are, are there some emotional telltale signs of oh, you're, you're being herded and in a bubble that it, it, the thing has run beyond its financial uh, fundamentals, I guess you might say, as housing did in the mid-2000s, as tech stocks did in the dot-com era. You know, wh- what is that now? Some people say there's been a bond bubble. Some people say there's a, a gold and precious metals bubble. I'm not asking to predict the markets, but what are the kind of emotional Telltale signs that that it's beyond its fundamentals, I guess you might say. Well, if you if you find that that people tell you that there is an asset like gold that has terrific returns or will have terrific returns, and there's no risk to it whatsoever, you know that it's a bubble. Uh, it it is a bubble or, or a Ponzi scheme, uh, and so. Uh, if if you have uh, the, the dot com of, of 1999, where people said that, that there's just no risk whatsoever and high returns, uh, then then you have to suspect it, and and you can do and you can do an analysis, uh, whether it is analysis of the prices of houses relative to rents that will tell you that houses are just selling for too much, or whether it is analysis of the prospects of companies. Uh, uh, where you see that, that there's just no way, even if they grow at very phenomenal rates, that they're going to justify the kind of price that, that they're selling for, and, and you just stay away from them. And what changes emotionally to make a bubble burst? I mean, if it's going up and the fundamentals are basically the same, why does it go up sharply and what changes it so, it's, so the bubble bursts? Well, eventually there, there is something like, like a trigger, you know, where... where where people come back to their senses. Uh, somebody somebody uh, uh, lays out the facts, and, and, and somehow those facts suddenly uh, make it clear to people that it has gone, it has gone too far. Uh, you can see that today in, in the municipal bond market, where people have been talking about the problems faced by, by cities and states, uh, and, and somehow it did not register until until suddenly it, it registers, and people say, "Whoa, you know, it, it is possible that that cities and perhaps even states will have to to declare bankruptcy, uh, and people who hold those supposedly safe municipal bonds are going to be left with uh, with bags that they're holding." 
So people see a, an event and it changes their mind from being wildly exuberant and thinking there's high returns with no risk, and the next day they think there's a huge downside and they want to get out of it. Is that what you're saying? It, it might well be exactly that. That is, it, it might not be anything that is uh, earth-shattering, uh, where, where you have somebody ringing that, that, that proverbial bell. Uh, but but you, you, you might have something where, where, say, hedge funds are acting in a particular way. So, so for example, uh, hedge funds uh, during the, the years of the late 1990s were piling on the dot-com uh, bubble, uh, inflating it, in fact. Uh, but then they have decided to, to get off. And, and as they were selling, of course, uh, initially individual investors were buying from them, sustaining that bubble. But eventually that, uh, that collapsed. And, uh, and, and the bubble just burst. Your first chapter, your chapters are designed for what we want, basically. And your first chapter is that we want profits that are higher than risks. How is the individual investor supposed to, to deal with that and not, not want profits that are greater than risks? <laughs> well, first is to, to realize that it's unlikely that they will find profits that are higher than risks. And so why is it that we want that? Well, uh, that really is part of, uh, of who we are. We are ambitious people. We are trying to get ahead. We are trying to get, to get the best for ourselves and, and for our families. Uh, we have that competitive uh, instinct. And, and if we think that it is possible to get uh, those profits higher than risk, then, of course, if somebody says, you know, you can just buy a, a Honda Accord, or you can just buy an index fund, we say, come on, are you out of your mind? I mean, I can, I can get, a, uh, with the same level of risk, much higher returns. So, so let, me, let me go for, for whatever, for hedge funds or for, for a Bernie Madoff. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, sometimes the odd thing really is that sometimes people do the most stupid things and it turns out well, you know, that sometimes people concentrate their entire portfolio in, in shares of Berkshire Hathaway and, and they become uh, millionaires many times over. Uh, but, but at other times, of course, they get themselves into an Enron and they lose, and they lose a whole lot. And so if you, if you understand the nature of, the, of that market gain, and if you understand that if something that looks too good to be true is likely not true, uh, then, then you're going to um, sort of uh, check your ambitions uh, with facts, and you will act in a sensible fashion. Did you see the Bernie Madoff situation coming, that he was offering these consistently high returns? Uh, no matter what the markets were doing, did you, did you think that was too good to be true? Oh, I, I didn't really examine it ahead of time. I don't even know if I knew much about Bernie Madoff before before it came about. But but I do know that that whenever somebody comes and says, "Here's a sure thing with high returns and low risk," I I just run away from it because. Because it is, to me, just like those calls that you get on the phone at dinner time and somebody says, hey, I have this, this proposition for you. I know that nothing good is likely to come out of it. And so uh, if, if it were the case, if, if somebody approached me with it, I would definitely have passed because I've passed on, on, on similar opportunities. I'd rather be, be safe uh, than sorry, and I don't believe in the, in the money fairy. So this is a common characteristic amongst 
scams and Ponzi schemes and so on is the promising of high risk with low returns. Is that what their appeal is? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, you, you know, I mean, ju- just think about about those Nigerian schemes. You know, uh, I'm I just uh, deposited some some fifty thousand fifty million dollars in Europe uh, uh, and 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 so on. And and if you just give me a hand, I'm going to give you uh, whatever half half that. And and I kind of look at it and I say, Are you out of your mind? <laughs> it just it just is crazy. Uh, and yet, and yet, obviously, they managed to hook uh, enough people to make it worthwhile for them to continue uh, that that operation. Uh, and so, you know, maybe somebody is is willing to give me for nothing twenty five million dollars, and I'm just leaving them uh, lying there in Europe. But then, uh, in all likelihood, I just saved myself a bundle of money, not not starting the process where I'm going to get myself in big trouble. Uh, in a Nigerian scheme. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mayor Statman, whose new book is called What Investors Really Want. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011, on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800 707 1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay because spaces are limited. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mayor Statman, uh, who is a professor at the Levy School of Business at Santa Clara University in California. 
His latest book is called What Investors Really Want, Discover What Drives Investor Behavior and Make Smarter Financial Decisions. Welcome back to the show, Mayor. Thank you. Good to be with you. In your second chapter, you talk about we have thoughts, some of them erroneous. What are some of the thoughts that people have that get them into trouble as far as investing? Well, I think that the first thing that people get wrong is not understanding the nature of the stock market game. Uh, The point is to always remember that if you are buying a stock because it is sure to go up, uh, there must be an idiot on the other side of the trade who must think that it is sure to go down. And one of you is going to be wrong. And so you have to ask yourself, what do I know that other people do not know? And for most people, if they ask themselves and answer honestly, the answer is nothing, uh, which means that you are likely to be the idiot. And so first understand that trading is like playing tennis against a possibly really good tennis player, a professional. Uh, And so uh, what I do is I refrain from trading as much as I can. Uh, That is one. But then there are many others. Uh, Think about hindsight. Uh, When we look at what happened in uh, the recent years, uh, we remember that in 2007, we know for sure that the market is going to go up and we just kick ourselves for not taking action and selling our stocks at the time. Uh, What we really thought at the time was that there's a good chance that the market will go down, but then it might also go up, and then it might go down, but not until 2010, and all of those ifs and buts, and on the other hand, but then, of course, once 2008 comes, we forget all of those uh, ifs and buts, and we just remember for sure that we knew that the market is going to go down, and this gives us confidence that we will know next time what to do. And so now you, you hear that people say, buy and hold is dead, diversification is dead, you have to time the market, you should just get out when the market is too high. And I said, as I said before, uh, you tell me, when is the market high? And, and in fact, uh, in uh, studies that I have done, I have found that if you use sort of a P ratio rule, for example, if the P ratio is more than 15 or 16 or whatever number it is, uh, and, and you sell if it is above that and you buy back if it's below that, uh, you are likely to, to injure yourself and end up having less than if you just bought stocks and left them alone. So these are just two of, of quite a few more of the cognitive errors that just wait to trap you. People spend so much time and money, frankly, trying to get that edge, and they're blogging, and they're looking at message boards, and they're uh, today getting these expert networks to get the inside information on what's happening in all these companies. Are you saying all of this is a complete waste of time and people should basically do index funds? No, 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 no. First of all, you know, a work trading on insider information is illegal, but, but it may well be profitable if you don't get caught. I'm, I'm not making any recommendation. That, that you do that. But, but again, I'm not really uh, recommending necessarily index funds. Uh, let me come back to this car analogy I used before. If you are the kind of person who would otherwise buy a Honda Accord because you just want a reliable car at a good price, uh, then index funds are good for you. But, but, but what will I say if you, if you really want hope? You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not denigrating people who buy a lottery ticket uh, from time to time, if you want to put some of your money in active funds because it is fun, because, because 
you like the hope of winning, uh, I'm not going to stand in your way. Just I would just say do it sensibly, okay? Don't, don't waste your kids' education money on that. If you want prestige, you can do that by buying uh, a Mercedes-Benz, uh, or you can buy it with, with hedge fund. Just, just be sure that you know uh, what you are doing and ask yourself whether it is, it is worth it. And so that's, that's the beginning. You know, make sure that you know what you want. There's not a, a car that is perfect to all people. There's no fund that is perfect for all people. Uh, if you begin there, then, then I can guide you further and say, here are reasonable ways of reaching what you want rather than uh, reaching what I think you should want. You also have a chapter about emotions, and you say we have emotions but many of them are misleading. How do misleading emotions make people uh, get hurt themselves in investing? Well, think about fear as one, as one emotion. Uh, we know from, from, from many experiments, studies, and so on, uh, what fear does to us. Uh, when we are afraid in the stock market, uh, we see uh, risk being exaggerated and opportunities being diminished. And so... Uh, we think about stocks as being sure losers uh, with, with definitely low returns and high risk uh, to match. Uh, well, uh, in 1999, of course, we thought that dot-com stocks are, uh, are instruments, uh, investments with high returns and no risk. So, so exuberance is the other side of risk. And both uh, exuberance and fear can mislead us. And so we have to kind of ask ourselves whether we are driven to do something because of fear or because of exuberance and push ourselves in the opposite direction. You know, we have to kind of look at it and say, hey, you know, the sun is still shining. Maybe, maybe this country is not going to hell. So you're saying that people should buy on fear and sell on exuberance, basically? Uh, well, if, if they're going to trade, then, <laughs> then uh, yes, they would want to be contrarians. Uh, but but I, I still come back to the point of, of try, try not to trade, that is try uh, not to act on your fear and try not to act on your exuberance. Just hold a diversified portfolio, you can rebalance it from time to time, but don't try to be too clever because, because there are people on the other side uh, with more powerful computers and better information who are going to be the winners in the game, and you're going to be the loser. And so uh, don't, don't really wade into this jungle or, or walk into this jungle thinking that you have the biggest gun because you don't, uh, and, and you're going to be the one who is going to be the victim. Do you think that dollar cost averaging is a solution where you're buying automatically, and if the prices go down because of fear, you buy more. If prices go up because of exuberance, you buy less without even thinking about it. Is that a solution for people? Um, you know, dollar cost averaging received very bad press, but it's actually a pretty useful mechanism. It's not rational, but, but it can be very, very useful. So, so for example, yeah, if, if, you, if you are uh, susceptible to the effects of fear, uh, if you see the stock market has, has gone down, uh, now it really looks uh, very frightening. Uh, but if you have that rule that says that every month I have to put whatever, $500 into the market, then uh, that will compel you to do that uh, 
uh, and you will overcome your fear, or even if you don't overcome your fear, you're going to act as if you're overcoming your fear. And so that really is a very useful mechanism. Uh, also, dollar cost averaging is very good at mitigating regret. Uh, when we buy uh, stocks, uh, let's say that I just received $100,000 from, from a favorite aunt, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I would like to see it in stocks, but I'm afraid that at the moment I put them in to stocks, that the god of the stock market is just going to to send some, some kind of uh, bolt of lightning and make the market go down just to spite me. Well, if I divide it into 10 installments of 10,000 each and put them uh, one at a time every month, then, then, you know, sometimes it will be going up, sometimes down, and I will not feel as much regret. And so sometimes uh, mechanisms that are not rational can actually be very smart. Some would say there are times when outright pessimism and outright optimism is accurate. <laughs> For example, uh, you know, say you were going, say you were in 1929 and the market was crashing, oh my God, we might have a depression, and we did have a depression. <laughs> there are times when it is correct to panic, is that correct? Sure, sure. I, I mean, I, th I, think, I think that that optimism can trip you and pessimism can trip you. Uh, and, and remember, you don't know the future. Yeah, sometimes people are pessimistic and bad things happen, and people say, see, I told you, it's always good to be a pessimist. And of course, sometimes that is uh, the case for optimism. And so I say, you know, be a realist. Uh, neither optimist and nor nor pessimist. I, I think that if you're going to have a bias, have a bias towards optimism. Uh, this country is not uh, going down. Uh, we are not going to get ourselves into a big depression. Um, there are a variety of mechanisms that are going to, to help us. Uh, and and so you know just just act uh, sensibly uh, in terms of your portfolio, in terms of your spending and saving. You know you don't really have to be to be a tightwad. You don't have to be stingy, uh, and you don't have to spend as if there is no tomorrow. But I think that most people kind of get get the point. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mayor Statman. He is professor of uh, finance at the Levy School of Business at Santa Clara University. His latest book is called What Investors Really Want, Discover What Drives Investor Behavior, and Make Smarter Financial Decisions. We'll be back after this. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise, 
from February 12th through February 19th, 2011, on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800-707-1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay, because spaces are limited. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mayor Statman, uh, whose new book is called What Investors Really Want. Welcome back to the show, Mayor. Uh, Thank you. You say that we want self-control and mental accounts. What do you mean by that? Well, let's begin with, with mental accounts. Uh, the point really is that we don't think of money as being equally green. Uh, we label money. So, so, for example, money that we get uh, from an aunt as a, as a legacy is different from money as an inheritance. A legacy kind of means you have to keep it for your kids and for your grandkids. Uh, an inheritance means, you know, you can take it and spend it on, on a cruise. Uh, We treat uh, money differently if it is income or if it is capital. And so money that is income, we feel free to spend on groceries and the rest of it. Uh, Money that is capital, don't. Don't dip into capital uh, is the rule. And so people treat monies differently. People treat uh, monies, particular monies, as being very risk averse, you know, don't take chances with this money and other money you can spend on on lottery ticket. So are you saying that that is incorrect, that people should consider all money the same, that this is kind of a weird perception to have these mental accounts? Well, it is rational to think about all money as the same, as belonging in the same account. But uh, one, it is not normal and it is likely not useful for us people uh, to think about money all the same because because having money in mental accounts is really very useful just for, for making it simple you know we, we have we have this money that is the budget you know th- this is this is money we can spend on lotteries and entertainment and, and and so on and if we keep it separate then then we are not going to commingle it with money that we have to pay the rent to pay uh, pay the mortgage so we are not going to find ourselves into a situation where we find at the end of the month that we have not enough money to pay the mortgage. And so uh, mental accounts make it simple, make it uh, easy to track our expenses and our obligations so, so we are not uh, going to get ourselves in trouble. And that really gets to the issue of self-control because, because what it also means 
is that if I have an account that is labeled uh, the account for my children's education, uh, and if I am really, really tempted to buy that sports car, uh, one, having the money for, for a sports car in a different mental account kind of gives me pause uh, before I dip into my college education fund. Uh, but more than that, it really is designed to make me feel guilty for dipping into the college education fund. And so it helps me in the self-control task where I am tempted by that, uh, by that car, but instead of actually buying it, I take a cold shower until the sensation goes away. You said we have two voices, the voice of should and the voice of want. How should we uh, listen to either of these voices or, or kind of differentiate between these and which should we listen to? Oh, I, th I think that we know those two voices. You know, th these are not strangers to us. Th that is, uh, you know, from, from small things to large. Uh, the voice of one says, uh, this cheesecake is really, really appetizing. Uh, and the voice of should says, don't touch it. You know that it goes straight to your waistline. Uh, and we have that for diets. We have that, of course, for, for money issues. And so we know... We know uh, what they are, uh, and now it is really a matter of finding, of finding the right balance uh, between them. I think that, that people who just go by the should end up being bores to others, and they tend to be pretty miserable themselves. You know, they just, they just always uh, are cautious, careful, they, they, they save very well. Uh, but they don't enjoy uh, spending. Uh, those who just give in to whatever impulse they have, impulse buyers, well, they run out of money uh, way too soon and they get to regret it. And so uh, it is kind of like the voice of the child in you, that's what you want, the voice in the parent in you, uh, which is what you should. And, you know, sometimes, in fact, uh, you should behave like that kid and, and, and have a good time, but, but keep it uh, under control. You also say we want to save for tomorrow and yet spend it today. This is obviously a contradiction. How can people navigate through that uh, in the best possible way? Well, that's really a difficult problem because, of course, right now we have all kinds of needs, and some of them are frivolous and some of them are not. That, that is, you know, you, you might have a new baby, and, and there are some, some definite uh, needs uh, to, to uh, buy uh, whatever is necessary for that for that baby. Uh, and, then, and then there are some things that are frivolous. And then again, uh, you know, it's not as if I have a plan for each and every person, but I know that in my own life, I try to keep a balance between, between them uh, and, and make sure that, uh, that I save enough. And, and in that, we have those programs uh, like 401ks uh, where, where you have automatic payments that are deducted from your pay uh, that go for, for your retirement account in essence uh, and that is really very helpful because this means that you don't have to struggle between what uh, between today and tomorrow uh, that decision you have already made and it is just uh, executed automatically for you seems like we get uh, kind of conflicting messages from the politicians on one hand they say save 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 and and you know you have to put money away because the government's not going to take care of you and then they say spend, 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 we've got to keep the economy going, and they are constantly giving you incentives to spend cash for clunkers and homebuyers tax credits and all kinds of things that make you want to spend now. 
what, what are we supposed to make of this kind of mixed message? <laughs> well, uh, say, saying don't ever listen to the government is, is a bit too much, uh, but, but you have to be careful and, and exercise your own judgment uh, when you listen to, to what the government says. Uh, if, if anybody is spending money such that uh, you prop up the economy, that person should be advised not to do that. That is, uh, you are not uh, carrying the economy on your shoulders. I mean, leave that to, to Obama. Uh, you spend if you have money that you can spend, and, and if uh, by spending that money you are not endangering your retirement. Uh, but but don't, don't let um, sort of patriotism, a false patriotism, uh, direct your, your spending, because eventually... Uh, you are responsible for your life, including your financial life. You say we want hope for riches and yet freedom from the fear of poverty at the same time. How do people handle that? Well, yeah, if, if, there, if there are just two things we want, one, one is not to be poor and the other is, is to be rich. Uh, much of the advice that is given to people really focuses on don't be poor, you know, put your money in annuities, uh, just uh, just be careful with every amount of money but uh, what what is missing really is that sense of hope uh, and and so some people look at people who buy lottery tickets and say that they are idiots you know that they are just unschooled in mathematics but i see people who want some hope and and as long as as you do it in moderation, you know, if you buy one ticket a week, uh, that will cost you all of $52 a year. That's not a whole lot, and it gives you hope for an entire week uh, that you're going to be a winner and, and you'll figure out how to spend your $100 million. Uh, you're most likely going to lose. Uh, but, you know, what is life without, without hope? Uh, and so if you, if you put a dollar a week, in a lottery ticket, that's fine. If you put a thousand uh, a week in lottery tickets, uh, you know, unless unless you have uh, tons of money beyond that, that really is quite foolish. And so, knowing the line between what is reasonable and not is really important, and knowing how to balance the desire not to be poor and the desire to be rich is really very, very important. What does the fear of poverty do to people's financial decisions? When we are really afraid of poverty, we are really pulled in. And I think, I think that that is really what has happened to us recently. That, that is, if in 2007 uh, we kind of thought that, that what really is important in life is to be rich, you know, and we can do that by buying stocks and, and, and playing all kinds of, of stock market games, I think that, that when 2008 uh, came, People say, whoa, I think, I think that my goal should be not to be poor, and so I'm just going to put it all in bonds uh, or, or in, in gold or, or, or whatever, stock up on, uh, on canned foods uh, if, uh, if the country is really going into a mess. Uh, and I think that, that, again, it is really important to, to keep, uh, to keep that, that balance uh, and, and ask yourself whether we have seen something like that or whether this is a calamity we have never seen before. I remember we have gone through 73, 74 with the oil embargo and, and, and so on. And so, uh, again, you know, th th there's, no, there's no formula that will tell you what the right balance is, but, 
but in a time like 2008, uh, it is natural for us to, to expect the worst. And I think that some voice in us should, should remind ourselves that we have been in situations like these and worse, and, and we have made it through. So be cautious, but don't uh, overdo it. It just seems like today, particularly, where uh, low-risk or no-risk investments like money market funds and savings accounts have basically no return, the price for fearing poverty is, is higher than usual. If you're getting 5% or something, at least you're getting something by being afraid. Today, you're guaranteed you're going to get nothing by being afraid. Yeah, that, and, and, and that happens. You know, if you, if you are going to fly uh, to some vacation after, after you've heard of a terrible uh, airline accident, it, it really gives you pause. And some people actually cancel, cancel their, their trip without taking into account that, that there are many, many flights that take off and land without any trouble. And, and, and the fact that this particular experience is very vivid and very scary does not mean that it is common. Uh, and that really is what, what has happened to us. Uh, you know, we, the, the stock market has come back about half uh, of what it lost since, since the peak in 2007, but people still feel as if they are in, in February of 2009 uh, in the depths of that stock market uh, crash. Um, and I think, I think that it's time for people to kind of reassess uh, where they are, where we are, and, and realize that, that things are not going to be really rosy, but things are not going to be uh, totally black either, and, and kind of find, find that balance. Uh, you, can, you can venture out a bit. Here, dollar cost averaging can be a useful one. You know, if, if, you, if you took money out of, of the market in 2007, that's wonderful. Uh, if you forgot to put it back in in February of, of 2009, uh, too bad. But it doesn't mean that you have to wait for it to go back to the 2009 levels. You know, you can just uh, use dollar cost averaging to put money into the stock market to back gradually, not overdo it, ha have a balanced portfolio that has stocks and bonds and, and cash, uh, but just, just don't overdo it. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mayor Statman, whose new book is called What Investors Really Want. Discover what drives investor behavior and make smarter financial decisions. We'll be back after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011 on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. 
Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800-707-1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay, because spaces are limited. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mayor Statman, uh, who is a professor of finance at the Levy School of Business at Santa Clara University in California. His latest book is called What Investors Really Want. Welcome back to the show, Mayor. Uh, Thank you. You say that uh, people do not want to face no losses. What do you mean by that? Well, uh Losses are very, very hard to take. Uh, That is, uh, think about it in the context of investing. You buy a stock for $100, you open a mental account, like a checking account for it. Of course, you are sure that it's going to go up to $150 in in no time at all. Uh, Instead, of course, it goes down to $40. And so you have that paper loss. well, that really is hard because, because losses are very, are very painful. Uh, one, uh, hindsight is causing us to now remember all the red flags that were there. You know, the, the, the manager was about to resign and, and some competitor was going to introduce another competing product. Uh, and so we feel foolish uh, about that. And then we feel regret, of course, that comes uh, with that hindsight. Uh, and especially if we are going to realize that loss, if we're going to sell it, uh, this really is painful because this really is when we feel that we kiss the money goodbye. And this really is where the pain of regret is going to be in full force. And so we tend to procrastinate in the realization of losses. Uh, and, you know, that's too bad because we can benefit from, from tax rebate, in fact, when we realize our losses. So what uh, should we do? Should, should people put in stop-loss orders to prevent losses from getting out of hand, or how should they handle this? Uh, in a number of ways. That, that is, I have steeled myself. Uh, I, do, I do a shrug, you know, when, when, when a fund loses money. So, for example, if, if I have money in an international fund uh, and, and it, it is losing money or it has lost money, as God knows it did uh, in 2008 and 2001, what I do is that I uh, move the money into another international fund that is similar but not identical so that it does not violate the, the wash uh, sale rules. Uh, and, uh, and this way I have kind of uh, kept that, that uh, loss, that realized loss that would help me later on 
in uh, be, being an offset for any gains that I'm going to have in the future. So that, that really is quite useful. And, and how do I feel about it? You know, I've, I've come to kind of uh, say, hey, Mayor, uh, relax. You know, you've lost some money. Yes, that's true. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's the equivalent of this lemon and, and lemonade. You know, make, make, uh, make the best of it. Uh, other people uh, might need a, an advisor to help them do that because they find it just too painful to do it uh, themselves. Um, you know, they, they, can, they can have a spouse help them. Uh, whatever method works, I think that it is useful for people to actually tax the tax advantages of, of realizing losses rather than just leave it alone. You, you talk about get even-itis. Uh, where people want to wait for it to get back to where they started. You're saying people should not do that. They should not wait. If something's gone down, they should not wait to have it get back to where they started. Is that right? I think so. You know, th that's the smart thing to do. Now, now, you know, it is kind of like, like taking an injection. You know, I'm not going to, to, take, to tell somebody, you must take that shot uh, against the flu or something. But I'd say it's smart for you to take a shot that would protect you against the flu. And it is smart for you to realize your losses, even if it is uh, painful uh, for a moment. Uh, you know, just, just again, uh, be, be thoughtful about it and, and don't let your emotions uh, prevent you from doing stuff that, that uh, is smart for you, like, like realizing uh, losses and, and enjoying the benefits of that. You then have a chapter saying we want to pay no taxes. So what kind of decisions do people make that are wrong for their finances to avoid taxes? Well, for some people, uh, taxes become, become really uh, the, the major issue. Uh, for some people, it is a matter of, of disliking the government uh, so much that they are willing to pay $5,000 to save $4,000 in taxes. And that, that doesn't really make sense. And so... Uh, People, people should know, of course, that, that, that what they get is what they get after taxes. And so if, if we can minimize our taxes in legal ways, that, of course, is smart and, and legal. But, but it, there's really no reason to go beyond that. Some people get themselves into scams that are supposed to, for example, be like an insurance, except that, that you get the money back and so on, and still you get to, to write it off against your taxes. Uh, well, you know, some people get away with it, other people get themselves in prison. Uh, because of that, it doesn't really make sense. Lots of people, of course, put their money in Switzerland and a variety of islands, uh, thinking that the IRS uh, would never uh, reach there, and, and it reached there, and, and they ended up either paying huge fines or, or again, some of them found themselves uh, in, in prison. Uh, so. So again, it really is, is a matter of distinguishing what is tax avoidance that is legal and perfectly fine and what is likely to get you in trouble and, and knowing that eventually, even beyond that, uh, what matters is the after-tax return. So if you, if you get an, a higher after-tax return with, say, municipal bonds than with, with regular taxable bonds, go ahead and do that. But, but don't buy municipal bonds just to spite taxmen. How about making decisions on when to buy and sell stocks uh, because they don't want to take gains? I hear this a lot. People have huge gains. They don't want to take gains because they would pay capital gains taxes, even though capital gains tax is lowest it's ever been. 
that that is true as well. It, it should not really affect you on on the other side as well. Uh, you know, again, you you can be sensible about it because if, for example, you have a, a giant portion of your portfolio in one particular stock, maybe maybe a former employer, uh, and you might have a giant uh, capital gain tax. Uh, well, uh, of course, if you're going to, to whittle it down by selling a portion of that, uh, you're going to pay taxes, but then you're going to increase the level of diversification. And, uh, you know, it depends on the, on the circumstances. If, if the stock that you uh, whittle down is called Enron, uh, you've done yourself a great favor. If it's called uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, probably, uh, probably not. But, but you have to be to be really mindful because I've, I've had that uh, with, with somebody I know who, who was working for a company and was advised to, to kind of uh, just gradually decrease the allocation to that stock and, and pay taxes if need be, and, and she didn't. It was, as it happens, one of the dot-com stocks, and, and she was very sorry afterwards. And so don't, don't let the resistance to paying taxes uh, be the sole consideration. In about a minute we have left, is there a website that people can find out about the book and, and uh, what you have to offer in behavioral finance? Yeah, there is. A, there is a website, a blog that I write that it goes under what investors want.com, um, I think. Or, or a, but, but if they just put my name in, Mayor Statman, or, or Mayor Statman, along with what investors really want, uh, they'll, they'll get they'll get lots of stuff that they're going to be find easy easy to navigate and of course the book is sold at uh, at Amazon and, and and good booksellers everywhere as they say and and I think that it is it is a fun read I wrote it really because I wanted to speak to investors to regular investors to to help them as I help my students, and it is written accordingly. It is really based on, on, on excellent research, but I put all of that research uh, references in, in the notes in the back. Uh, the book itself has lots of stories, lots of anecdotes, lots of current events, uh, and, and mentions of, of that research that I mentioned. I think that I had fun writing it. I think that people will have fun reading it. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest during this uh, hour of the show has been Mayor Statman. His new book is called What Investors Really Want, Discover What Drives Investor Behavior and Make Smarter Financial Decisions. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Mayor. Thank you, Jordan. It was great. Thank you very much. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.